Did the band not do great tonight? Huh? It's sort of hard when you've got wrestlers and soccer players, and they're like, I can't be here. I'm like, you're not saved. No, I'm kidding. Um, we are... We are glad that you're here. We being me. I don't know why I use Pearl. Would you like a pick? Anybody want to pick? Dalton, you're in the bad spot. You know that, right? That's my call the person out spot or spit on somebody by accident spot. I'll fall on that. Um, what have we been talking about? There's been a little theme for a couple of weeks we've been talking about to live with what? Abandoned. That means that means just to live all out and live with abandoned for Christ, and sort of what that means. And the first week we talked about Daniel, and and he he had what? What did, what was the one word phrase? The one thing that he had um, in Daniel chapter one verse eight. What was that? Resolve. Resolve. Right. Resolve. That means that's not you don't. It's more than deciding to do something. If you could turn me down just a shade because I'm ringing and that's going to like annoy me to death and annoy you all more. Um, it's a... It's a high top of... High down here, huh? High here, I'm still doing it. Thank you. That's it. Good. Um, Daniel had resolved. It's more than deciding to do something. We decide things all the time, but a lot of times we decide to do it and then we flip back. And we stopped doing what we knew we were supposed to or we pledged or said we were going to do. Resolve is that point we get to where we're not going to turn back. We, we've more than decided our heart's been set. We have burned the bridge and we're never going to go back that way. That's where resolve comes in. And it's in order to live with abandon. I think we all want to live that way. There's a part of us that goes, you know what, I, I want to live. I want to live all out. I want to do things that... No one else can do because God's called me to do it. And, it, and it, it's, I want my life to have worth and great worth. And there's a lot of things you can do in this world. But a lot of things that we do in this world will just burn away and they'll be gone. When the world's gone, they'll be gone. But there are things that we can do for Christ and for God that will be forever. They will change eternity forever. And that sort of, part of us goes, man, I want to be a part of that team. Dude, I want to do that. Resolve is one of the first tips you've got to have. The next thing we talked about was, was if you're um, going to be uh, fake, fake or not. Right? Fake, like the seven sons of Sceva who tried to use the name of, of Christ, but they didn't know him. And they didn't just get their tails kicked. They got their clothes torn off and their tails kicked. And they ran off the, it was really bad. Right? Seven against one, they got mutilated. But how many times do we feel that way, like the world just spits us, you know, chews us up, spits us out, and we just feel beat down by the world? And, you know, can I tell you, for some of you, last week I asked you, for some of you, I said, can I pray for you? If, if you want me to pray for you, lift up your hand and look up at me, because I want to pray for you. And can I tell you, I've been praying for you for the past week, because there's always stuff in our life that, man, you've just, I mean, it's just... I know I've, I've got to walk away from this. I know this is hurting my walk with Christ. And I've been praying that you'd have the resolve to walk away from it. And for some, I hope you have. For some, you might go, man, I was one of those and I'm, st- I'm still there. Don't give up. Do not give up. That is what Satan would love you to do. Don't. You, you, you Fight. But that's what we've got to do. This third thing we're going to talk about, not just resolve, but not, not just being a follower, but you've got to have sacrifice. If you want to live a life with a, a, abandon, it's going to cost you. Now, who here likes to watch move, move, movies? We, we all sort of do, right? Who here saw Avengers, I believe it was, right? We all saw that one, right? 
been out a year and a half or two years, I don't know how long. And in the end, Iron Man, the, the, the nuke is about to blow up New York City. Iron Man beat up, bzz, bzz, things are fuzzing. He goes, he grabs nuke. He's sort of a crackhead type guy for the whole film. Sort of, that's sort of, he's sort of cool. And all of a sudden, he take it, he pushes it so it's going to go straight up and save the, save the town, but he's, he can't let go of it because it's not going to get out of there in time. And you see him resigning himself. That, and as it, you, did, did y'all see this scene? Am I right on it? And part of you go, man, you just go, oh, he's awesome. Right? He's a hero. He's awesome. Cause he, and why? Because he's sacrificing. And we watch that and we go, but in the end, you know, he falls, Hulk grabs, right? I won't enact it. I'll scare you off. I jumped over there. And um, he, he, he doesn't die in the end, but he, he's willing to die. He's willing to sacrifice himself to save everybody else. And we watch that and we go, man, that is awesome. But there's a part of us that goes, but I'm glad that's not me. <laughs> right? Right? It's fun to watch the hero and you go, oh, I want to be like that, but not like, like that, like dead that. I just want to be like that hero. Yay! But there's a sacrifice that he is willing to make. And we see that. And part of us wants to, but part of us goes, I don't want to do that. Because sacrifice is going to cost you. We're, we're going to look at it. You know, the first week we spoke on this, we, we talked about a text that uh, the, the church reads all the time and it's told on all the time. This past week, it was on the seven sons of, of Sceva, sort of a known text. The text we're going to be in today, I don't know any soul in their life has ever taught this to youth before. It just makes no sense. It just doesn't. But this is where we're at. Amen? Okay, we got two. Okay, now, so we're going to talk about sacrifice, but this... Some would say this is the stupidest thing I could ever teach you. Okay? A lot of the world would say, okay, you're, you're teaching that to the youth. I'm getting you set up. You're like, oh, great. It's a great night to come here. It was even cold. I got cold. I haven't got, you know, came out here in the cold. But can I tell you, this is one of the most important things I can teach you. And for some of you, maybe even just one in this room, five years from now, what I teach you could, could drastically change your life. And if it's just one that it's going to change life, it's worth everybody getting to hear it tonight. And it's not, um, it's the stories I say and it's part of my, my life and, and nothing I'm going to tell you tonight is going to boast in Dan and what Dan has done. Please understand that because anything good in my life is because Christ has done an amazing work in me. That's the only good thing. So, so understand that because there's a story I, I, I want to share, but it just shows you Something. Hopefully. If not, forget the story. <clears throat> um, so this is going to be a hard sort of message. So I'm going to ask you all just to, we're going to pray again, and then we're just going to jump right into it. Okay? Are you ready? You look like you're sort of ready tonight, so that's good. We're going to be in the world. If we got one, a rocky, not, okay, I'm going to take the nuke out of here. Yeah. Um, we're going to be in Acts 20. So grab a Bible. We've got some sitting around. Get by someone. Make sure you bring that to the edge every week. If you don't have one, see me or my wife or Nolan. I think there's a few back there. He'll get, get, get them to you to have. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I, in many ways, um, I just feel unworthy just to talk about the message we're going to see t- tonight because there are so many that have gone this path that um, have given up so much. And you call us to live a life for you. 
that it's not about us, but it's all about you. And Lord, I just ask that you'll open hearts, you'll open my heart, uh, the hearts of everyone here, that we will hear your word, we will hear your truth, that it'll be clear, even from uh, from from me, who can be unclear at times. Uh, I just ask for your help, I ask for you to move, and we just invite you to this place tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, last week we were in Acts 19, tonight we're going to be in Acts 20. Last, last week, what, what church did Paul start in Acts 19? Do you remember? Anybody? Ephesus, okay? This is when he first goes there, begins to preach the word. Does anybody remember how long he was there for? Three years, okay? It says two years and plus, and then it goes on to say three years he was there. And we was there every day. It says publicly he would preach the word, and when he was done with that, he would go into the homes and he would talk about Christ. There for three years. Um, and so he's... Do you think Paul is um, attached to this church? Okay, he's, he's served there for three years. He's taught them the word. He's led them to Christ. He's wept with them. He's, they, they brought from him when they've come to know Christ. They brought him to their homes and he shared it with everybody in the household. And they've come to know Christ and their lives have been transformed. And Paul has just loved them. I'm spitting, sorry. And do you think Paul was attached to this place? This was an amazing attachment. He was there for three years. He was, that wasn't the only place he went to. But this place he was there for a very long time. He put his heart into it. He taught. He led. And we're going to see, he's left there at this point, going around, taught some more. And he's going back to Jerusalem, where he knows um, it's not going to go well for him. The Holy Spirit has told him, you're going to, you need to go back there, and it's not going to go well. We're going to take a look at that. So he's, he's going back, and he's near Ephesus, and he decides not to stop there because he doesn't have time. But he goes to the next town, which is called Miletus. And from there he sends word, says, To the church leaders of that church, can you tell them that I'm here and I'd like to see them? And this is where the story is going to start, where we're going to read in the Word tonight. Because it's some, some very powerful stuff. And we're going to jump around here in Acts 20, so hang with me. We should have the words on the screen. And um, I think I've got them in the right order, Nolan. So... Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, and how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of that of what I've just shared was Paul attached to, to this church. He's reminding them, hey, I was with you. This is when, you know, when, we, when I taught you from house to house, when I taught you in the big groups, when we were attacked at times, we were together, we were a team. Have you ever been attacked or like in a group, you're in a group and sort of folks attack you or, 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 or mock you? If you've not, this is what occurs. You bond up. You bond together. If you're in tech as a group, they make fun of your faith or something, you're t- to to together, or if it's your team and it's the Jags against the uh, well, we're, we think we can't even use the Jaguars. Um, it's the the Knolls against the Gators, and I'm gonna hurt, hurt feelings with this one. And and the Gators are 
um, this, this small group, and there's a, a group of Noles going, oh, now I'm an old fan, but I'm making them sound like that. And, um, and they're like, we, we, uh, we won, blah, 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 blah. A group of, of gators, you know, might be like, well, we're four and eight, you know. But they're together, so it bonds them together. Like, it's okay, it's okay, buddy. So, so you know, even though you're sort of mocked, you're still, it bonds you up. Paul, Paul talks right here is how they, they bonded up. Now, look here in verse 25. We drop, jump, jump from verse 21 to 25. There's a point to this. Hang with me. He says this, And know, and now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about pro- pro- proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Okay, all of a sudden Paul tells these guys that he's asked to meet him. He says, Man, remember we, we, we bonded up. There's some truths that he does teach. We're not going to hit all, all of those things. I encourage you on your own, take, take a look at some great stuff. And he says, hey, but I want you to know this. Um, I'm never going to see you again. Now, if someone said that to you nowadays, that would make us very sad, right? Sort of, if we were close to them, I, th- I think it would. But I want you to understand the context of, of what he says. They don't have Skype. FaceTime, is that what it's called? I always call it the wrong name. I call it Face something else, not Facebook. I know that. I'm not that old. Um, they, don't, they, they don't have a phone. They, they don't have... Insta to keep up with what's going on. If he's got a great view from his dock and his, back, his backyard. <laughs> uh, see, y'all know what I'm talking about because you stalk each other. Okay, there's no way to sort of keep in touch. All there was was a letter that could be written and could take months and months to get from one place to the next. That's, that, that, that's all they had. So look here in verse 36. Paul shares some more stuff and it says this, And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that he would that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. This is a very, if you really understand, he started this church. He's, these are people that he loves. I don't know if you think of being extracted from people that you, you, you bonded with and you love and you've poured into and you've looked out for and you've taken care of them. They took care of you and, and all of a sudden he's leaving them and he's saying goodbye and I'll never, I will see you again when we're in heaven before the Lord, but that's, I won't see you here on earth. Man, it's a, it's a powerful moment. And, and, and the first truth, and there's two things. Um, sacrifice can be seen in two ways here. And I think in your life, if you are going to seek and follow Christ, sacrifice will be a part of your life. It's not, it might be, there's going to be time. It won't always be, but there will be times that it will, it will be. And I want you to understand this truth that Paul understood. Sometimes you will be called to leave what you love. And Paul, Paul loved them. He loved them dearly. I wrote these notes down. He had been with the church since the start. It was his baby. He had started it. Uh, He had been the primary man to teach and to lead for three years. He had wept with them. He had led them to faith in Christ, endured struggle, raised up some to lead alongside of him. He had poured into them. He had invested. They They had fellowship together. They had lived life together. Man, he was investing. But he understood one truth, that sacrifice sometimes says you've got to leave what you love. Now you go, well, man, that doesn't sound like a very loving God that would force someone to leave what he loves. 
But let me remind you of a truth I've taught many times over that it's not about you. As a believer in Christ, it's not about you. We still sing, oh man, that's not fair. What do you mean it's not fair? It's not fair that you, that God sent a son who died in your place. That's what's not fair. It's not fair that even though you rebel against God in your sin, that he grants the gift of his son so that you can have eternal life with him. That's really what's not fair. Right? So, can I look at me like, yeah, okay. I'm not trying to yell at you. Now, I tried to understand what this meant. Leave what you love. And, and the only thing I can compare it to is this. Before I came here to this church, I was at a church for 14 years. Okay? Um, and I, I will tell you this. The same church. I was 23 when I began. 37 at the end of it. And uh, you get to know folks really well when you... Especially for me when you teach them for 14 years. The, I had kids in my, my youth group that weren't even born when I first began to work at the church. Uh, I, I had many groups of youth that for seven years they had been in my youth group. They had been the whole time I'd, I'd been, I'd led their big brothers, the next one. I've got, I've got for, f- former youth of mine that are 38 years old. Gosh, man, I know I look good. I know it. You're thinking, man, he can't be that old. I'm kidding. <clears throat> but I want you to know, I've invested in lives, and they've invested in me. And one of the hardest things I ever had to do was leave that church. Hardest things. For a year, God spoke to me about going, you know what? It, it's time to leave. I've been there for a long time, and to be honest, I, I could work there and not really really have a whole lot of faith in God and I could fool a whole lot of folks because I knew how to run things and it was easy and God said it's time to move on and I was like are you kidding I'm invested in them I've got youth that are all around the United States who preach and teach in churches who lead in worship who do camps around the youth I've got youth that I'm bonded to I love them I can't wait to see them and there's something about it For, you know, 14 years I was there and when God called us to leave, it, we struggled through it, but we knew that's what God had said to do. And, and the last day I was there at the church, I remember I, I went home, went into the house, and, and just wept. I just crumbled in my wife's arms and wept, overcome, because it was a great loss. I knew them well. What's, you know, they're an hour away from here. I see them from time to time. Um, you could ask my son about this because he sort of hates this. Every now and then we do visit my old church. And it's like we're rock stars when we show up there because there's people that we just love. And we don't have to see them for a year or two years. But when we walk in and when we see their faces, there's a warmth there that I don't think this world can even understand. And can I tell you this? My sacrifice isn't near what, what Paul's was. So, but I want you to, that's how I, I understand it. Sometimes God will call you to sacrifice and to leave what you love. And sometimes what you love aren't people that are in your life, but sometimes it is dreams that you have, that you've had. I mean, I've dreamed I'm, I'm going to be this when I grow up, and I'm going to make this much money, I'm going to do this well. And I'm, I'm gonna, sometimes God is going to call you to leave what you love there. Is, is he a mean God? No. Can I tell you this? Um, in my own experience, he's not a mean guy. My first year, year here, dude, that was tough. 
When I, b- b- before I left that church, I said, man, I'm never going to work with youth again because how can I start over? I'm getting too, too old. There's no way. And the first year here, it was just, man, some, y'all were mean. Some of y'all were mean. And it was tough. And then after that year, really something happened. And it's a, it's a God thing. And I thank my God so much that he moved me because I began to live in faith with him again. I have relationships that I would never would have had unless I'd left what I'd loved before. God's at work, but he's going to call you to sacrifice. He's going to call you to move. He's going to call you. It's hard. Understand that. Keep that in mind. Um, I did that part. Uh, and, and, and just a phrase that sticks me, someone says, well, doesn't God want me to be happy? Happy and sort of sometimes, yeah, yeah. God wants you to be happy, but He wants you more to be holy. Okay, God wants you more to be holy, and that sometimes is going to cost you to get you out of what's comfortable to what's what's tough. Let's go on now. So we read, we've, we've read the story. We've seen what's occurred. We understand Paul's love, the sacrifice that he and he got on the ship and he leaves. Look here in verse two, 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 twenty-two. Back up. We, we skip this part here. We're just going to read from twenty-two to twenty-seven because there's something huge here that occurs. Because in some, when you read this, you go, "Okay, Paul's nuts. Paul is nuts, and he is." So look here. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Verse 25, it says that, that, that one verse we read, And now behold, I know that none of, you, none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole count, 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 counsel of God. <clears throat> verse tw- tw- 23, or verse 22, he says he's constrained by the, the Spirit. That means that really means bound. And if you've got the NIV, it probably says bound by the Spirit. That is a picture of being one that's, that's hands in, are in chain and they're, they're being led, that they don't have a choice. Now, Paul, over and over, has called himself a servant of Christ. And this is a picture that he says, the Spirit is saying, this is where I need to go, and so I'm going to go. And this is what it says about the Spirit. He's bound to change. He's going to the unknown. Who here likes going to the un- unknown? Nobody. Nobody really wants to go. The- you want to know a little bit. You want to know, well, what, what's it going to be like there? Maybe we don't want to escape from some place to get some ways. And so unknown sounds better. But still, you want to know a little bit. Paul's like, man, I don't even know what I'm in for. But I've got to go. And I'm not going to see your face again. And the Spirit tells them two things in every city. And man, don't you want to hear these two things from the Holy Spirit in your life? It says this, imprisonment awaits you. Dude, you're going to jail. And it says, affliction, suffering awaits you. And you're going to be beat up. You're going to be bruised. You're going to be rocked. Who knows what else? In every city. 
Not is, well, it might occur in some. The Holy Spirit has told them, hey, Paul, go here, and these two things are going to await you. Do you understand sacrifice? You're going to have to leave what you love, and sometimes you're going to have to exchange safety for suffering. Okay, can, can, can I tell you that? You're, live for Christ, you're going to have to exchange what's safe for suffering. Dude, that's, that's man. Let's sign up. Let's do a big list for that. Who's, who's first in line? Who wants to suffer? No one wants to suffer. You go, well, why would a loving God want me to do that? Well, it's not about you being happy. It's you being holy. Being more like his son. And God will in many times do whatever it takes to make you more like his son. And I think above that, he's, he, he's going to do what it takes to get his word shared around the world. Get folks to hear the truth. To hear his love. To be a chance to be changed. Um, I've looked at some examples of missionaries that are like this. Because I think that it, when I think of this topic, missionaries come to mind. There was a man named Hudson Taylor. I believe he was from England. And he uh, was, heart was burdened. This is in 18. 45 or something. His heart was burdened for China. He had heard stories. They didn't know. There was nobody there. And so he goes over and checks it out. And he knows this is where he's supposed to be. He goes, he, he goes to the extreme where he would dress the way that they dressed. And he even shaved his head bald and had a big thing of hair so he'd look like them. But he was a white guy with eyes that were round and not squinty. But he was wanting to fit in because he wanted them to know the Lord that he knew. And he, he actually went back home to get help and to preach and get more people, more folks to come. He had a wife. They had. Uh, he he actually got, got got married when he got back. He took her back. They had three or four kids. Within a few years, his wife died and three of his kids died. He left what he loved. He left his homeland to a place he unknown. He did not know. In exchange, safety for suffering, and you say, and, and you go, man, that that cost that cost him a lot. He created an organization. He stayed there even when he lost his his wife and, and kids. I think one of them did not die. He stayed there and still preached the word. There was a a, a thing called um, China Inland Missions that he began that still exists today. In 1940, there was over 1,400 missionaries in China. He died in 1905, 1940, 1,400 missionaries in China that were with this one group that he had started because he was was willing. I don't know. And you go, man, that just doesn't seem fair. He, he understood, understood this. It's not about him being happy. It's about him being holy. It's sacrifice. It will cost you. Because sometimes, man, I think everybody goes, man, I just want to do big things. Can I say for some of you, if you want to do big things, it can cost you greatly. Um, my wife and I talked about this. And, you know, she was on the mission field in 84, 90-something. And she knew of missionaries that were there. They were down in Argentina. And they had friends that, um, that were missionaries down there that when they came down, their parents had told them, um, uh, their, their parents had said to them, if you leave and take our grandkids down there, we'll never talk to you again. And that's what would occur. What she said was the parents would sometimes call the house and talk to the kids, but they never talked to the uh, par- parents. 
You're going to leave what you love and leave safety for suffering. That had to be hard, right? Gosh, that had to be hard. I was thinking about this, and there's one more story we're going to sort of wrap it up with. And um, I don't know if y'all saw in the news a story about a man named Ronnie Smith. Uh, and he was in a place called Bengat, 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 Got, Benghazi, um, and that's been on the news a lot. And you may not have seen the story, but there's two video clips. They're not from a Christian group, but I want you to hear what is said in the story because this man, because God spoke to him and worked his life, he left what he loved, and he exchanged safety for suffering. But in the midst of that, God did some amazing things. So take a look at this video. It's only about five minutes. The the two clips are about five minutes long. Just hit the the first one. It'll go the second. Remember 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 the American teacher who was shot and killed in Benghazi, Libya? Well, he will be laid to rest today in Austin, Texas. Ronnie Smith was gunned down two weeks ago today near the site of last year's deadly assault on the U.S. consulate. Now his widow is coming forward to talk about her husband's mission, and she has some surprising words for his attackers. Anna Werner has the story. Smith and her husband Ronnie moved to Benghazi with their infant son on a journey of faith. Both wanted to help bring about peace. We knew beforehand that Libya is not safe. We still wanted to go somewhere where we wanted to bless the people. Did you feel like you were ever a target there? Over time, I really didn't feel unsafe. Um, Once we started really knowing our neighbors and them taking us into their homes and them loving us, it just was normal life. He taught chemistry to high school students at an international school. They made friends and adjusted to a new culture, even to the sounds of bombing at night. It was even a joke within the city among the Libyan people just saying, have you gotten used to the bombs or that sort of thing. So then it became more normal and more not scary. Looking back now, do you think the two of you were naive at all? Not at all. We, we knew before going into Libya that this was, that there was risk. We were doing this because we wanted to follow what God has for us, and that's to show the Libyan people his love and his forgiveness. The family had planned to return to America to spend the holidays with family and friends. Anita and son Hosea left in mid-November. Ronnie was to meet them a few weeks later. He never made it. On December 5th, the gunman in a car shot and killed Ronnie as he jogged on this street near the couple's home. What do you think you're going to miss the most about Ronnie? Because we seems like we grew up together. He's just been daily in my life all these years growing together. I'm just imagining the rest of life without him. It doesn't seem real. She says friends and neighbors in Benghazi, including her husband's high school students, have called to express their condolences. In return, she wrote an open letter to all Libyans. I hear people speaking with hate, anger, and blame over Ronnie's death, but that's not what Ronnie would want. Ronnie would want his death to be an opportunity for us to show one another love and forgiveness because that's what God has shown to us. And she included a message to her husband's killers who have yet to be captured. I love them, and 
Anita Smith says she wants to make a return trip to Benghazi to visit friends and neighbors to mourn together. For CBS This Morning, Anna Werner, Austin, Texas. And she wants to go back. Yeah, um, and is offering them forgiveness, which is incredible. The commitment to stay and live and teach there with everything that has happened, extraordinary. Absolutely. Well, an Austin church is mourning the death of a man killed while teaching overseas in Libya. Days away from returning home for the holidays, Ronnie Smith was shot and killed Thursday while jogging in Benghazi. In a KVU exclusive, the Night Beats Jade Mingus reports on the impact he's left behind. It's a day of reflection here at the Austin Stone Community Church as the congregation reflects on the life of Ronnie Smith. It was at this church where Smith learned to teach, and it was his love of education that carried him to Libya. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. In November 2010, Ronnie Smith took the stage at the Austin Stone to teach about his faith in God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The lessons he learned here fueled his passion for education and inspired him to help others by moving overseas to teach. This is just not something that you expect to happen to one of your friends. Ronnie, his wife Anita, and young son lived in Libya, a country ensnared in turmoil. The University of Texas graduate became a beloved chemistry teacher at the International School in Benghazi. His faith uh, influenced and motivated all of the things that he did. Danger was the risk. The reward? Educating a generation of students living in a country overcome with violence. Violence that would claim his life just days before Ronnie planned to fly home for the holidays. Ronnie was jogging down the street. He was getting his morning exercise when some men um, in a car approached him, some armed men, and shot him and killed him. As his church mourned his death, it also celebrated his life. And the impact he had on so many people here in Austin and on his students abroad. We are deeply saddened uh, and grieved with his loss. Uh, but we also know as Christians um, that we will see him again one day when we reunite uh, before the presence of God. Service ended with that sermon from 2010. In it, Ronnie talks about God's promise. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. Even though he's gone, his words live on, offering hope, continuing to teach. Jade Mingus, KVU News. I am making all things... The Austin Stone is raising money for Ronnie Smith's wife, Anita, and his young son. We have more information on how you can help on KVU.com. Uh, about a month ago, about six weeks ago, I think, is, is when that that occurred. What do y'all think of, the, of that guy? Sort of impressive, sad, just sad, sad to see him. You know, especially the, the, the second clip when he said because you, you saw he was he was real. Probably struggled, probably fell in in, in ways, got up, but he. Um, but you know. 
he lived more life than 99.9% of the people who are in church. And I don't want you to go out and die. That's like, no, go die! No, I don't, I, don't, I don't want that. But the Spirit moved him. You tell his wife, they were resolute. She for, forgives. Was it hard for her to say? Of course it was hard. Is she hurt? Is she rocked? She's devastated. But her God is so much bigger. You know? Can I encourage you to be in prayer for her and their, and their son? This guy went, he followed God, and he died. And some people go, man, that's just a shame. That's a wasted life. And it's one of the greatest life lived that I've ever heard about. Because he followed God. He, he did it because God told him to do it. He was talking and sharing his faith. They were telling about the forgiveness God can give through Christ. Man. So we talk about this, wrap this up, this thing with live with a abandon it really is apropos to, to see a, a video of that uh, of a man who lives in our day who, who has done that you'll never have resolve until you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ you might have some decide I'm not going to do that I'm going to stay away from drugs and I don't want to do, do things that are bad but, but resolve that, that the, the word of God talks about you'll never have it apart from Christ you'll never be a follower of Christ until you put your faith in Christ. Until that is, is what your life is going to be about. You're not a follower. Not just because you go to church or come to, to the edge. Or, um, you know, I've, I've read this like twice the past week. I'm doing good. And that's great. I hope you, you're doing that more. Um, you'll never endure sacrifice. Biblical sacrifice. Until you have a personal relationship with Christ. Because apart from Christ, there's no point in that. What's the point of dying? If, if, it, if it's not not for him and for his honor and for his glory. And I just want to end it with this because I want you to hear the truth and you've heard it hundreds of times if you've been here, but if not, hear this loud and clear. We, we all sin. God created the world, created you and me with a plan and a purpose. He loves you and has a plan for you. We all sin and rebel against God, and that separates us from God. And God is holy and perfect, and we are not. There's no way we can get there. And God saw the gap. He saw the need, and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God, to come on earth to live a life choosing not to sin and to die on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. The cross didn't kill him. Our sin is what killed him when it was laid upon him. He paid the price because the, the wages of sin is, is death. And it had, that sin payment had to be paid. And it was paid by his perfect son. To as many receive him, put your faith and trust in him, who believe him, they will become sons and da- 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 daughters of, of God. That is the way... And, and you heard him, I don't know if you heard him, he, I think he said the verse 14, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Nobody can get there. There's not eight ways to God. There's one way to God, and it's through His Son. And apart from the Son, you cannot get there. And you may be here tonight, and you've been to church all your life. You know everything. Every You, you can tap dance the whole dance. You, you can look good. You understand it. But apart from you surrendering, I'm turning from my sin. I confess my sin. I know I rebelled against you, God. And I accept the gift of your son. Apart from that, you are lost. So we're just going to close tonight. And can I say, there's not a perfect prayer to 
pray. It's you turning away from sin and turning to Christ and living for Him with everything you've got for the rest of your life. And Him doing amazing things through you that you will never do on your own. Not for your glory, not for your joy, but for His honor. So, man... I'm just going to pray. And it, it, even as I pray, man, you might be to the point where you go, no, God, I, I, want to, I put my faith in your son. I accept the sacrifice. I know I sin. Help me to turn away from my sin and turn to you and trust you. And talk to somebody about it. Talk to a friend about it. Talk to me about it, my wife. Somebody about it. Don't be alone in this. Don't be ashamed in this. We all find, for those that find their way to Christ, they find it at different times, different ages. I was 16, almost 17 when someone shared Christ with me, and I'd heard it 18 times before, but the 19th time when they shared it to me, it rocked me to the core, and I couldn't breathe. It was so, so powerful. And that might be you. Let's pray, dear.